0: Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. Who
1: are you writing for and what are strategies that you can use to appeal to that that particular reader? It's all about strategy and it's all about rethinking your communication style in your organization. If it's not working,
0: welcome to the human ceo i'm your host amy stevenson and today i'm joined by pam hurley pam's the president and founder of hurley writing her organization works with leaders and their companies to help them communicate more clearly both verbally and in writing pam began her career in academia prior to launching hurley writing 35 years later pam's built a team who support organizations by delivering communications audits training and workshops and writing pam discusses her journey along with sharing tips for leaders to help them communicate better we hope you find it valuable. Thank you for joining us today, Pam. It's really great to have you with us. Thank you very much. I uh, appreciate you having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So first question, can you tell us a little bit about your organization and what problems you solve for leaders, please?
1: Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So I'm the CEO and founder of Hurley Ride Incorporated, we are a certified women in small business uh, located in the, on the east coast of the United States in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have been in business for over 30 years. We do a tremendous amount of work with uh, large organizations, do a lot of work with leaders. Uh, one of the things we try to help leaders do is communicate more clearly, whether that is verbally or in writing, um, because one of the things we find that if a leader can't communicate in um, writing well to his or her employees that that can lead to a lot of a lot of problems.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and so before we get into that, so there are two streams to this podcast. So the human CEO is usually about a leader's journey and their leadership approach but often then we'll get people in like yourselves that have a specific expertise that is of value to to the leaders that listen. So what I'd like to do first of all is talk about your journey but can we get then get into what you do for organizations and talk about how leaders can develop that clarity of communication? Sure absolutely Brilliant. so Thank you, you. You, go ahead. No, you go for it go for it tell us about oh, your journey. Sorry.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So I, um, I have a background in academia. I started uh, in academia uh, after I finished my master's degree. I was hired as a as an adjunct. And for those of you who've been on an adjunct journey, you know what a terrible journey that can be. Anywho, uh-huh. uh, so then I started. I pursued my doctorate. One of the things I found in academia was that. Unfortunately, students are taught that there's only one way to write, and it's, it's, it's this kind of linear process where first we outline, and then we write a draft, and then we get somebody to mark up for us, and that's it. And so one of the things, I, I, I started a class um, on technical writing in the university that I was teaching at at the time, and I was trying to give students more practical information about how they would have to write in the workplace, and what I, so I started looking at or reviewing readability studies because what one of the things I found was that, you know, students are taught, they're taught grammar and they're taught, you know, but there's no real rhyme or reason to helping them understand why they're doing what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's the foundation of what we do. Why are you doing what you do? Where, what is the function of the writing? What is the function of the communication? And what I found was that students responded very well to that. Uh, because it allowed them to think more strategically and critically about what they were trying to do with their writing and so I <laughs> this is back in the day when you could actually reach people on on the phone I just started calling local companies and was like hey look I found this great formula for helping your um, your folks write more effectively and lo and behold people hired us uh, hired me I was it was only me at the time hired me and and the business went on from there. So thirty-five years later, we're still going strong. We have a team of six uh, executive insult- consultants, and we've expanded our offerings to communication audits, so that people understand have a better understanding of what the, real, what, what the root of the problem is. Because there's oftentimes a lot of assumptions that are made about what the cause of the problem is. It's very easy to blame the writers mm-hmm. when oftentimes it's the it's the reviewer. So anyway, long story short, got my doctorate. Quit academia for good and uh, have been full time in the business since then.
0: Fantastic. And and so, what kind of situations are those leaders in when they come to you for a communication audit? What's the when do they raise the red flag? At what point? Yeah, typically leaders will contact
1: us when they feel like they're spending too much time reviewing. Okay. Um, And so we have people, and this is not an exaggeration. We had a client recently who. He's spending literally half of his work week editing and reviewing the work of other people. Right, half, and he wants to. He wants to grow the business. Can't do that. He wants to do, be in sales. He can't do that because he's spending all this time. So um, th- that's typically when they raise the red flag, or they're getting um, questions from clients or clients aren't happy about the, about the uh, documents that are being produced. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kind of things that, um, typically that's when leaders contact us because they're having, having real problems, which have a, a real ROI. A lot of times people don't think about the ROI of poor writing and or of effective writing. Uh-huh. It's kind of like, this is a problem. You know How do we fix it instead of thinking about this is really costing you, poor writing is costing you a lot of time and money. And there's been a lot of research that, that has been done on this. Um, Josh Bernhoff, who's a, who's a real expert on this stuff and who's going to be on our Season 2 podcast, has done a tremendous amount of work on investigating the uh, the amount of time and energy that's wasted by poor documentation.
0: And, and do you find, Pam, that once people have worked on their writing or written communication skills is it a once and done is it something that you you know you develop once and then forever more the roi just continues or are there different levels
1: yeah that's a really good question a lot of people think it's one and done right Mm -hmm. i'll put my team through writing course and they'll be done and everything will be great and that's simply not the way it works writing is like any other skill Right. So if I'm going to be a good golfer or whatever the case may be, it takes practice and it takes time. Mm-hmm. One of the things a lot of companies do, unfortunately, is they have this kind of short term mindset. And what I mean by that is, okay, we're going, to put a, we're going to put them through a writing class. They're going to come out, they're going to be fixed. And that's all we have to do instead of putting uh, a support system in place. So that they can continue to practice and, and continue to hone those skills. The other piece of that is that management has to support these new skills. And have so what I mean by that is we have a lot of clients, you know, who get they give lip service to good writing. Oh, we want our team to write well mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, but they don't support them in any, in any way. And so consequently, what happens sometimes is that writers will fall back to old habits because I mean, who wouldn't, right? You want to keep your job. And so if you're having people who are constantly saying, oh, we're doing this way, this is the way we're doing, that kind of thing. If you constantly have that, why would you put into place new skills and new ways of thinking about writing if you don't have that support from from management? So it's incumbent upon management to, to understand what we teach in our classes. And I, we love it when management attends our, our classes, but to also understand the long-term uh, retention strategies that we put in place um, to ensure that writers can continue to hone their skills long after the class is over.
0: Can you tell us a bit about that in terms of sure. the retention strategies?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we offer things like one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I found when I was teaching in academia was that for many of my students, sitting down with them one-on-one was more beneficial or as beneficial as teaching them in the classroom. And so what we try to do in our one-on-one coaching sessions is help them focus on their own skills, because not everybody comes to the party with the same skills or lack thereof. And so the one-on-one coaching, which we do over six months, typically helps helps these writers, you know, in a criticism-free environment, talk to an expert and have that expert help them focus on their individual issues. The other thing that we have in place is um, um, refresher webinars, and so I'm sure you've heard of Eb- the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve, which shows that as time goes on, it's common sense, but as time goes on, people forget most of what they what they've learned. And so, in our refresher webinars, we take a topic that we feel like, based on the uh, coaching sessions we've had, that would uh, behoove folks to attend, and so we can take a deeper dive. So it's one topic that we that we focus on um, and do breakout sessions and that kind of thing. So, um, you, you, you know, we also have a reviewing class, a class specifically for reviewers. And in that class, we teach them, look, this is what, what your folks are going to be learning in the writing class. These are ways that you can support them. And this is what you need to do in terms of putting a process in place so that your reviewing process is streamlined, A, but B, Writers know what to expect because oftentimes writers have no idea. It's a surprise when they get comments, and oftentimes the comments add no value. There's pet peeves. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But the point is that the writers and the reviewers have to align, and when they don't, you know, you know, you're not setting you're not setting the writers up for success, and you're not setting the organization's communication process up for uh, for success either. Yeah.
0: And, and do you find that typically the courses or the need of the, the organizations, are they often internal or external? Is it sort of coming from a sales perspective or is it internal comms?
1: Oh, it's usually internal. For instance, we do a tremendous amount of work with engineers. Uh, engineers and pharma uh, medical device companies are our biggest um, our biggest clients. Engineers are interesting because they have to oftentimes they write r- proposals quite often, um, they oftentimes write reports for external clients, um, and we work with some clients who have come to us recently because the organization itself has made poor decisions based on the writing of the of the engineers. Because they, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, you don't think about that, but management doesn't understand the information that their engineers are trying to convey, and so they've made poor decisions, or bad decisions, or no decisions at all because they don't. They don't understand what 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 the writer is um, what the writer is trying to convey, and oftentimes these are multi million dollar problems. This isn't like five bucks. I mean, these are multi million dollar um, dollar problems. And so, what's the what's the process then for fixing that that issue? And that yeah, that's a good question. We always recommend that people start with the communication audit, and in the communication audit, we go through it. We look at their processes which that that they have in place. And Most of the time, organizations organizations have no process. No onboarding, no nothing. It's kind of like, oh, okay, you're a new engineer. Well, here's a document that yeah. we like. Why don't you read that, figure it out for yourself? They have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do the communication audit with look at their templates, their style guides. We interview stakeholders. Um, we interview people who are uh, intimately involved, people who want us to get the problem fixed. And from that, we develop a path forward for them. We call that our pros roadmap. And that comes with recommendations. These are the things you need to do to fix your uh your communication issues and so whether they decide to go with us or somebody else it doesn't matter but they have that in writing that these are the things that based on our findings that that would behoove you to to start to fix to do something about because I mean, let's be real honest with uh you know communication whether it's verbal or written is the backbone of every industry you can't you can't do anything unless you have good communication in place
0: yeah 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 And and, and what are the evolving trends then, Pam? So since since lockdown, since the world seems to have got more remote, I guess written communication is even more important. But what are the evolving trends? Are you seeing that people are having sort of written wikis rather than having the, you know, the walk cooler moments where people get together and you, you used to pick things up by osmosis? doesn't necessarily happen as much now. Are you seeing that written communication's overtaking that? uh yes somewhat
1: so one of the things we're finding is that because people are more remote communication is that much more important because you can't get up and go to the go to the next office and say hey sue what did you mean by this so there's a lot more back and forth um in terms of the writing you know we have folks who use you know like slack for instance Mm -hmm. and one of the things we find. We were working with a client recently, and they were using Slack, you know, to give feedback and that kind of thing. And you look at their Slack, um, the comments that are made, and it's just like, "What? I have no idea what you're trying to say." So people have to, if you're going to use these tools, that's great, but you have to, you know, how to use them effectively, right? And so, you know, and the same is true with AI. People are all agog about AI, right? AI is a tool. Mm-hmm. It's not a replacement at this point. I'm telling everybody, I know people are disappointed to hear this. It is not going to take the place of your writers for lots of reasons. Uh, People know that it often, you know, gives incorrect information. You still have to have a person who can review. And, and, you know, let's be real honest. I mean, writing is all about conveying information about your organization in a particular tone and style that reflects your company's uh, brand, and environment and culture and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, there are great tools out there, but you have to use them effectively, especially if you're if you're going to be
0: remote. Yeah, absolutely. And and do you guys help organizations to capture their brands in terms of the voice of their brands? Is that part of, of the communication audit? Yeah, it can,
1: yeah, it can be. We we worked with a client recently who um, I don't know how many times I've said we worked with a client recently, but anyway, it's a lot. Any. <laughs> Um, one of our uh, engineering uh, clients, uh, they were posting on LinkedIn, and they wanted our help with posting on LinkedIn. And so, when we looked at their post, their posts were all about. I mean, it's just these statements of fact. You know, we do this, and we do that, and we do the other. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what you do. What 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 people care about, especially when you're looking at these social media platforms, is what problem do you solve, and what problem can you solve for me? And so, we tried to help them repurpose or rethink, you know, their strategy for posting on, on on LinkedIn. And it's it's interesting because every medium, whether it's social media, whether you're writing a memo, whether you're writing a report, whatever, has a different function and therefore requires different communication skills. So it's not one size fits all. It's not we can do this this way all the time.
0: And and in terms of capturing Information. So I was reading recently about Amazon, Stripe. They have a lot of written communications within their organisation. Their wikis appear to be written rather than video or rather than any kind of um, other medium that could capture that tacit knowledge. Would you help an organisation to capture the tacit knowledge? Because, again, with remote working, you don't get those water cooler moments. You don't get the osmosis. So it is often it's paramount to get that capture the tacit knowledge. Within an organization, can you guys help with that as well? Yeah, we do help with
1: that. Um, in fact, we can help people, um, you know, um, log their processes, figure out what those processes are, lack thereof, where they're lacking, that kind of thing. Um, we're working with a company right now who has to. They provide training videos, and so they have written documentation that the tra- that the folks who are producing the training videos use to produce training videos, right? So they have this document. I don't think I've phrased that correctly, but so they have written documentation that the tr- people who are producing the training videos use to to create the training videos. And so, they look, you know, you look at the training videos and they're, there's the hard. I mean, they're just like, what? What are we doing here? They're long, you know, they're, they're, you know, it takes the point. They don't consider the different audiences, that kind of thing. So what we're trying to help them do now is to rewrite or to rework those initial that initial documentation because let's be real honest the videos aren't going to be worth worth anything if the initial documentation isn't correct and so we we find that oftentimes that in the organizations will you know they'll go to people and they say well document this or document that but the people who are doing it don't really understand what that means right mm-hmm. what does it mean to document a process. Or they're documented in a way that they do it, which isn't the way that the organization wants it documented. So there's all kinds of issues in, in, involved in that. It, and, and it's interesting that companies will typically, um, either take the easiest way out in, in that, in, in that regard, right? It's just like, oh, well, Joe's been doing this for 50 years. Let's, let's let Jim document it when Joe doesn't know how to, you know, couldn't write his way out of a paper bag. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's very interesting.
0: Or they've been doing it 50 years and they don't know how to articulate how they do exactly. it. Exactly. I've been breathing 43 years. If someone says, how do you breathe? I don't know that I could break it down effectively <laughs> for somebody. So there's that yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a great analogy. <laughs> exactly. And so so you've got a whole host of five-star reviews from organizations that you've, you've helped across. Is it predominantly in the U.S.?
1: yes great? we have worked with companies in ireland we have worked with companies in germany uh-huh. in canada but it, they're primarily us-based uh, organizations
0: great and and so if there are organizations listening that are maybe struggling with their communications or struggling to get their voice across are there some tips that you could share with leaders in terms of where to get started yeah i
1: mean i think that the biggest thing is you have to look at your so there's a difference between a process a, a standard and, a, and an expectation And so one of the things that we find in most companies is they have an expectation that the folks that they're hiring know how to communicate effectively. That's, that's an expectation, but what they don't have is a standard. And so the standard is when you come into our organization, these are the, uh, this is the way that, that that you'll write to reflect our brand and values and mission statement and all that other kind of fun stuff. And so, Companies have, you have to have a standard in place first before you can have an expectation or help people meet that expectation. Because one of the things we find in organizations, we hear this all the time, a writer will say, well, I'm trying to write for Steve. Well, okay. And, you know, and Steve likes, I had actually a, a participant in a class say this to me, well, Steve likes bullets, a bulleted list. So I'm, I'm saying, so you're producing, every document you produce is a bulleted list. Yes. Well, that's ridiculous because bullets have a particular function. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that organizations need to understand is that your documents have a function and how you organize a document tells readers how to read and take take the action you want them to take. Every document you write has to be actionable, right? And so oftentimes, you know, they're they're not. So I think I went off on a tangent, but um, yeah, first of all, you have to examine your processes. And if you don't have one, you need to get one in place. Uh, and you know, it may take a while to do that, but it's an important thing. And what, and what, you, but once that process is in place, everybody's on the same page and the writing will fall in line and the reviewing will fall in line and it will be a much, much easier on forward. Um, so that's, that, that's what we recommend first is you have to understand what processes you have in place. And if you don't have any, that's a problem.
0: Yeah. Just going back to, to sort of the writing skills. In terms of assessing the effectiveness, and I'm coming at this from from two different angles. So human began existence as a, a recruitment business, looking at search and selection, and we've since transitioned into people and culture. But from an assessment point of view, if someone was coming into an organization How would you assess the effectiveness of their writing skills? And then how do your clients assess the effectiveness, sort of the shift in their team members once they've gone through the training? How do you measure that?
1: Yeah, there's lots of ways to assess um, um, someone's skills going into a company. You know, there's writing prompts. There are um, other kind of metrics that we use. We look at a confidence um, um, metric. So there's lots of metrics that you can use to To understand where folks are are coming from, what we use in our organization to measure, we measure them at the very beginning. We we have a set of metrics that we use, um, and then we have a set of metrics that we use when they finish the course to understand where they are, where they began, and where they finish. So it's not just well we think that you know some of it is anecdotal. I'm not going to you know tell you that's not true. We do have facilitators that will come back and say, well, wow. It's it's great. I mean, we, you know, the writing the writing is better. I can see it's better because sometimes it is just about, you know, we're getting fewer we're getting fewer questions from clients. Clients are happier. We're spending less time reviewing. All of those things have value, but that's not all we depend upon. We 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 have we have metrics in place as well. And that's a whole other department in our organization, which I don't deal with. So I don't know what those <laughs> metrics are, but, but we, we, do, we do have them.
0: But it's there. But it's there.
1: Yes, it's there. Yes.
0: And so you mentioned the communication audit. Is there, a, is there a, an almost like a, an individual audit? So you can, if I said to you, something's not right about my, my writing, Pam, it's just not landing, is there a way that you could support an individual? To go well, it's this. It's your articulation of this, or it's your grammar, or
1: yeah. We we typically don't work uh, with individuals. We're we're a B two B company. We do have online writing courses for individuals, mm-hmm. um, but we typically work with organizations and not individuals.
0: So it's the organizational challenges that you're solving, yes. rather than yeah, okay. yes, okay. Okay. And so in terms of what's coming over the horizon then, obviously we mentioned AI. Is there anything else that leaders need to be aware of in terms of the, the shift in writing styles or the way people are articulating themselves? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that leaders need to understand
1: is that people are bombarded with information. And so it's, it can be a struggle for your organization to stand out it can also be a struggle for people within your organization to be able to read and act upon any, any given communication because people are just bombarded. And my own personal opinion is, and I don't have anything to back this up, my own personal opinion is, is that people aren't reading. And so if you write a five-paragraph email to someone, chances are really, really good it's not going to get read. And so, one of the things you have to think about is who are you who are you writing for, right? And what are strategies that you can use to appeal to that to that particular reader? So it's really all about it's all about strategy, and it's all about rethinking your communication style in your organization if it's not working. If everything you're doing is working and you're getting the responses you want, and the writing process isn't taking forever in a day, and the, great, super, but we found that to rarely be the case. So you really have to do a deep dive into, you know, what's causing the communication issues. And typically we can help, help people find out, figure out what those are and provide a solution um, to those issues. Mm-hmm.
0: And is it always, this is going to sound like a crazy question, so bear with me, Following me on this. Is it always writing for reading's sake? Or is it about writing for reflection from an innovation perspective? So you mentioned the engineers that you work with, often they're problem solving. Is there, is there an argument for writing for reflection to almost work through a challenge? Is that part of what you see leaders facing?
1: Oh, 100%, 100%. So one of the things that, you know, when I talk about, I and I I write a lot uh, on LinkedIn about how academia failed writers, because I firmly believe it. But one of the things that we learn in writing when we write in university is, you know, it's first it's the outline and then it's the draft. Instead of understanding that there are lots of different ways that people should begin the writing, write their writing tasks. And so, what you're referring to is what we call the planning, and the planning should be about eighty percent of the of the process, right? And then twenty percent of writing. So, what you're talking about is what I call free writing, and free writing is simply this idea that. I'm just going to write and I'm not going to worry about it because it's not going to be, it's not my first draft. I'm going to write to to solve, to work through the problem. I mean, we, we, we know, right, based on years and years and years of research that writing is problem solving on paper. And so working your way through the problem is perfectly fine. Not everything you do has to be the first draft. And so with free writing or reflection, as you call it, you're writing, you're hoping that Something good comes out of it, but it may not. You may have total garbage at the end, but that's okay because the total garbage doesn't wind up in the document. And when people when people don't do that, when they don't take that, then they and they start the outline. Here's the outline, which is a very rigid construct when you think about outline. So one of the things you're trying to do with with writing is generate ideas. And I typically get pushed back when, oh, it's not creative writing. No, it's not. But you're using your brain. That's for sure. Um, so you know, thinking about how do I get the ideas down on paper, right? First, work through them and, and, and make that part of the process instead of something that we should be, oh, no, we can't, can't, can't do that do the outline in the first draft. Um, because what happens when we do that is we end up spending so much more time on the back end fixing it than, than if, to your point, if we would do some reflection ahead of time, who am I writing for? What am I trying to do? What do I want them to do? That kind of thing beforehand, that would lead lead to a to a better outcome uh, in terms of that first draft
0: anyway. Yeah, I was I was sort of getting to the the sense of almost getting out of the who's the audience who's the audience question. So get just getting it down on paper. And I wonder if there's a tactic. For that, like from the problem-solving perspective, we don't necessarily, if you're communicating with yourself, you're not necessarily thinking, how is this going to land? How is this going to be articulated? And you are just getting it down on paper to, I love what you said, you said problem sol- uh, writing is problem-solving on paper. I wonder if you take out the whole audience equation and is this going to be understood? Am I articulating myself in the right way? Will this land properly? I wonder if that then frees up more space to be even more creative with your problem-solving, and then you go through the process of, making it so it can be communicated right it
1: it it absolutely should I mean and again one of the things we talk about and I'm a firm believer in everybody is different and that's a good thing but we teach writing as though everybody thinks exactly the same we're not robots so one of the things we talk about in our classes are look here's 15 strategies find one that works for you right? Because that's really what it's all about. You're different than I am, Amy, and you may have a different process than I do. And that's great. That doesn't mean that just because my process is different from yours, that yours is wrong and mine's right, but that's what we're taught. And so one of the things we, we try to work with professionals on is finding a strategy that works for you. What works for you, whether it's free writing or brainstorming or mind mapping or whatever, the, whatever it may be find something that works
0: and so can you tell us about a, a little bit about Hurley Wright and what's going to be coming around the corner are there new courses being launched are there organizations that you're working with any research that's coming out
1: yeah so we're um, well we, we always have new clients unfortunately I'm not at Liberty uh, um, name them versus because of our contracts with them I don't I've never understood why that is but anywho you can go on our website, hurlywrite.com, and see some of the folks we've we worked with. Um, we've worked with some of the biggest organizations in the world. Um, so one of the things we're launching, launching excuse me in 2024, our second season of, the, of a podcast called The Writing Docs is coming up. And we have a lot of great guests on that, people who are writing experts. So I encourage you to listen to that. I think that's dropping in February and March. Again, I'm not 100% sure. Then the other thing that we're doing is we're launching some free webinars. Okay, one is called, Why Aren't They Getting It? How to Improve Feedback on Employee Writing. And the other one is, uh, Buyer Beware, How to Pick the Right Writing Solution. And then that we're gonna go over uh, our buyer's guide that we have created, uh, working through analysis paralysis, reflective questions. And then Why Aren't We Getting It? Uh, How to Improve Feedback on Employee Writing, we'll be talking about. how to provide feedback on the root cause, not just the symptoms, how why it's important to know the root cause. And the objective is that um, participants will walk away understanding why communication um, audits, alignment meetings, review classes are are necessary for a truly improved feedback system. Mm
0: And for a final question that I always like to ask because I'm interested, especially if you're writing so much, you must be an avid reader of some description, but I'm always really interested to get recommendations of what you've read that's helped you and supported your journey.
1: I love to read, but I, I'll be real honest with you, I read mostly fiction. Okay. I'm not a big, I, re- I read, you know, a- Atomic Habits, which I really like, but I'm not a big self-help or how to grow your business or any, anything like that. I'm more of a, um, a fiction writer. I try to get books that are, uh, you know, recommended by NPR, um, books that have won awards, those kinds of things. Um, just because I find that, uh, fiction helps me kind of revisualize and, and think through, uh, you know, cause you have to, you have to create your own picture and, and that kind of thing. So I'm not a big, I'm not a big self-help book person. I don't particularly like nonfiction, um, so what that says about me, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's I think just, it, it's good to read novels. So I'm, I'm massive into the nonfiction side of things, but I do. If I get a good novel, you can't do two things at once when you're reading a novel. If it's a good yes. novel, you can't be anywhere else, can you? So it's a really good way yeah. to switch up. Well, yeah,
1: it's really interesting. I've, I've just read one called uh, "It's called Into the Woods" or R- "Northwards." Maybe it's "Northwards," but it's a really interesting. It's very interesting. I mean you first thing you're like, I don't know what the hell's going on and then you know, as they go through and have these vignettes and it's very it's very, very interesting. So there's some I love reading. I read every day. And that's another thing. You know, to be a good writer, you have to read. You have to. And people don't and or they read all their, you know, the stuff that they uh that their colleagues at work write. And that's that's a that's not a good idea. You've got to read whether it's Fiction or nonfiction or whatever, because you pick up nuances in language, you know, ideas, ways to frame sentences, those kinds of things. So you have you have you have to read. That's yeah. just there's no way around it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I've just read if you're looking for a recommendation, Pam, I've just started reading The Island of Missing Trees. Is it good? It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's it's got a tree as the narrator. Set in, set in Cyprus. It's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's one of those that you do have to kind of get lost in it. Like I said, I don't read novels very often, but that one's brilliant. I recommend it.
1: I love that. We read, I read Once There Were Wolves, which is about, um, she's a conservationist Okay. and she's, it's fiction, but it's based she's in Scotland and it's based on the reintroduction of wolves into the environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's very, very good, and you know, there, there's been a lot of research that's that's, that's been done that show that, that shows you you have to have predators mm-hmm. in the environment to you know keep down you know other species and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. but, you know, here in the U.S., they're doing it in Colorado, and people are just up in arms about it. And I'm like, yeah, it's the yeah. ecosystem, stupid. I mean, you know. But yeah. anyway, that's a that's that's a very very good book, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, that's that's becoming. I don't know what. The situation is where you are, but they're you know they are trying to re- reintroduce them into the United States yes. in certain places, and of course, and I get it, I mean, I get it, you give sheep and cattle and all that, but it's the ecosystem, stupid. Yeah. That's the way I look at it, but anyway. Yeah. But I, I'll, I'll definitely check. Have you read The Overstory? No, that's about trees as well and how they talk to one another. It's, it's fiction, but
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, golly, that's, that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff. I'll love send you a it.
0: link. I'll send you a link.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I would love, love that. If you like that, so. you'll like this. <laughs> yes, no, I'm excited to read it. I'm always looking for new new novels. So that's great.
0: So okay, how thank. how can people get in touch then, Pam, if they're looking to work with Hurley Wright or find more information about how you can help? That's great. So you can hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Pam Hurley,
1: um, or our website is hurleywright.com, W-R-I-T-E.com. You can email me directly, pam at com, or our phone number is 877 249 7483. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's
0: been really great speaking with you. I really appreciate you making the time.
1: No, thank you very much. I'm glad, glad, glad we got the opportunity, and I, I appreciate your time.